0: Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a show for 20-somethings that are trying to figure out adulting. I'm your host, Justin Peters. Each episode, we focus on solving a problem that we will face throughout this defining decade that wasn't covered in the classroom. This could include topics about our career, health, relationships, and money. Let's get into it. I'm doing something a little bit different today. I actually won't have a guest joining me, and I'm going to go solo. I haven't done a solo episode in probably almost a year actually. And I'm thinking about doing a little bit more of these. So would love at the end of this episode, if you went over to Instagram, I'm at Justin Lee Peters, share your thoughts. If you want me to continue doing some more solos, or if you want me to continue with the guest interviews, or maybe a blend of the two, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Before we jump into the episode, something I don't do a whole lot is plug leaving a review, but it really does mean a lot to me. If you could take a few minutes of your day, go out and leave me a review on whatever podcast player that you listen on. If you're looking for instructions on how to leave an Apple podcast review, you can head over to my website, justinpeters.co forward slash support. And all the instructions are listed right there. It only takes a couple of minutes, and I'd really, really appreciate that. So on to the episode itself. I've actually been reading a lot about this great resignation. I don't know how much you know about it, but it's essentially this wave of people that are leaving their current job for new jobs. I think a lot of the uncertainty of last year with COVID might have kept people in place and or really think through what they want to do with their career moving forward. Couple that with all the job opportunities. I don't know about you, but I swear I think every store has a, we are hiring sign out there. I think between those two factors, it's really forcing a lot of people to rethink what their current job situation is. And to back that up, I read in the Washington Post that 4.3 million or 3% of the workforce quit their job in August. That's one month, just in August. So if we extrapolate that 3% out, that's 36% of people on an annual basis would quit and leave their job. Some of the articles that I've been reading have had a different range. Anywhere from 35 to 65% of workers expect to change their job sometime in the next six months. And to bring this down to a personal level, I've been contacted by a handful of recruiters and former employers I actually made a change last spring to my current position because a former employer reached out to me, and I'm so happy that I took this opportunity. I don't know about you, but I think it's actually pretty hard to accurately evaluate what you're doing against the potential job change that is in front of you. With this episode, I really want to tackle that challenge in particular. I'm going to lay out a checklist to ensure that you feel confident in your next career decision, and I'll share with you steps to help you decide whether or not to accept a job offer. I have this bucketed into three broad categories, qualify, evaluate, and decide. And I'm going to work through the purpose of each one of those stages. So let's get into it. The first stage is qualifying a job opportunity. So during the interview process, along with receiving an offer, your goal is to understand job, team, and organizational fit. I want to share a reminder with you that you're interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you. Having a deep understanding of what's expected of you is critical for you to decide whether or not you do indeed want this job. So let's first start with job fit. And what I mean by job fit is really just the day-to-day. What is going to be expected of you? What's going to be your job responsibilities? I tend to start that conversation off in interviews by figuring out a realistic job description. I don't know about you, but most job descriptions I feel like are either inflated or really lack the specifics. A great way to start this conversation is to print off your job description and highlight anything that you're unfamiliar with or that you want follow-up on. I'll pull that job description out during the interview itself, and then I'll start asking about each one of those highlights. This is a really great opportunity, especially if you're in front of somebody who either does the job or has done the job. I wouldn't necessarily go too deep in the weeds if this is a first round interview with a recruiter or an HR generalist that might not have as deep of an understanding, but still worth asking some general questions around around the job description itself. Another thing that I like to do is just ask how the role has changed since it was last filled. Do they have different expectations? Typically, the job description is copy pasted from the last time that it was used. There might be some small updates, but that job description might be one to five years out of date at that point in time. And the role might have slightly changed since then. So asking that question might probe the hiring manager to illustrate a few more things that are outside of that job description itself. And finally, I think one of the best ways to go about this is to ask for a walkthrough. And that can mean multiple different things. If it's mostly a desk job, I think jumping on Zoom and spending 30 to 45 minutes having someone that does that job or did that job walk you through some of the software that you're using, some of the roles, the processes, just opening up things and kind of getting a better feel of what you're going to be doing. If you're in more of a hands-on role or a service role or manufacturing type role, asking if you can walk the floor, meet some of the people, see some of the machinery that you're going to use or the tools that you're going to use and getting a better understanding of how everything might work together. The second part of job fit is performance evaluation. Essentially, what will be expected of you? The root question I feel like is really, how is performance evaluated? I'll usually start there and let them respond. Through that, you might find out there's either an informal or formal review process. If there's a formal review process, asking or understanding that I think is very critical. What performance metrics that you're evaluated off of, how that impacts your compensation, potential raises and bonuses are all important things to start to understand. And one additional question that you can ask about performance evaluation, specifically to the hiring manager is what they would like to see accomplished in the first three months. Understanding what you're walking into those first three months and what's gonna be your major priorities is something that every hiring manager should easily be able to answer. Okay, so after we got a good understanding of job fit, I like to spend some time on team fit. And what I mean by team fit is the personality and the attitudes of the immediate group of people that you're gonna be working with. The most important factor in that is probably going to be the manager or your direct report. So understanding who will be managing you, what is their style, what's important to them, how they get into managing, why do they continue to manage? Is this something that is a fulfilling part of their job or just another stepping stone in their career path? For me, I found that my direct manager has probably the biggest impact on my job satisfaction overall. So making sure that, that you guys align, that their management style fits your needs is a really important thing to understand. Second in team fit is your close coworkers, the people that are on your immediate team or the teams that you'll be working with pretty extensively. During the interview process, I like to have an informal conversation with as many team members as I can without the hiring manager included. This is a really great time to ask them about their thoughts on their manager and then see if what the manager was saying and what the team is saying matches. If there's incongruence, that might be something to investigate a little bit further. Along with that, I like to understand tenure. How long have people stayed there? This could be critically important if you're looking for a mentor or some guidance whenever you're walking into a new role, but also gives you a good reflection of the team and the organization overall, how well they are at keeping and maintaining talent. This can obviously differ between something like a startup and a legacy company. If the company's only been around for one or two years, you can't expect people to be there five years. Just mathematically, that doesn't make sense. But if this is a legacy company that's been around for 50 or 100 years, I don't think it should be uncommon to find people that have eight plus years of tenure in the organization. Honestly, most organizations at least have a handful of people that have 15, 20, 25 plus years working for that organization itself. I like to do this as a group discussion as well, because it's really interesting to see how the coworkers interact with each other. Does the group seem close to each other? Do they joke around with each other? Do they kind of know the insides of each other's working styles and and have some jokes or things like that? This has got to give you a better sense of how you're going to interact with the team overall. And the things that you say are important in a team, make sure that you're starting to flush those out and make sure that they align with the team that you're going to be joining. Okay, so we've covered job fit and team fit. Last I feel like is organizational fit. This is the organization overall. And this can be a bit to wrap your head around. One place to start is just to verify that they're financially sound. If this is a public traded company, you can go out and you can find some financial information and make sure that they're in good standings. If this is a startup organization or a local business in your area, you can typically find articles around new fundraising that they've had or the success they've had financially, big milestones that they've hit, et cetera. Along with that, it's a good idea to just do some online research to see if you can find any articles around their reputation. What are people saying? Are they involved in the community? Have they won some kind of service award, healthy employer award, fastest growing X award? I feel one of these awards really can't signify a important aspect of a company overall, but a collection of them, if it slants good or bad, is a good thing to take note of similar to what I was talking about in the team fit as well, understanding that organization's turnover and evaluating if it's reasonable or unreasonable. Once again, this has got to be something that's probably industry specific. Something like hospitality, restaurants, or food service typically has a pretty high turnover. And anything with a year plus is a really great indicator that they're good at maintaining their staff. But an average of one year at a financial services firm might indicate that their turnover is high and there might be some kind of cultural deficiency that's pushing people out of that organization. And of course, you really want to ask yourself if you can get behind the mission and the product of the company. I personally think this is an inflated factor in the overall decision-making. It's definitely a critical piece, but typically it's how that company views their overall product and service and how they make their employees feel about how they're serving their customers. Last but not least with organizational fit, ask yourself the simple question, is this a place where I will be happy? Give yourself the white space to reflect on that question and take a lot of serious consideration behind it. So job, team, and organizational fit can typically be vetted out throughout the interview process. And after I'm done, I like to chart out my notes. I typically make a T-chart where I have pros and cons on both sides, things that I liked about each one of those sections, and the things that I feel like are cons in those three sections as well. After you've organized your notes in whatever fashion that you have, you can compare them against your current opportunity. Asking yourself what you would miss about the organization, the team, and the job that you're currently in. And then making sure that this opportunity either has that or has other factors that will far outweigh those things as well. For me personally, a job needs to have variety and opportunities to problem solve. My manager and my team need to be a group of high achievers. And my organization needs to be open to change. Those are all factors that I want to make sure that my next opportunity has whenever I'm vetting it out. Do you want to lead a big team, supervise only a few, or have zero management duties? Do you want to be in front of clients? Do you crave autonomy? Do you enjoy travel or do you not want to travel at all? What kind of projects do you want to be engaged in? And what are your professional tasks that you don't want to be a part of? Those might all be good questions to start vetting out a little bit more of what you really want in your next role. And if I've caught you at the end of an interview process, and you don't feel like you have a good handle on all of these areas that I currently talked about, job, team, and organizational fit, my personal advice would be to go back and have some follow-up interviews. I believe it's better to slow play than to rush into a decision. The last thing you want to do is find yourself back in a job search three months later. Trust me, I know. Ultimately, this has got to come down to your post-interview gut impression. You have plenty of notes in front of you. You have a good understanding of what your current job offers to you. What kind of feeling is this job opportunity giving you? If you find yourself wanting to get an offer, the idea of this job excites you, and you find yourself telling your friends that this is my dream job, those are probably all gut instincts that you should see this opportunity through. If your gut is telling you otherwise, my recommendation, don't move forward with a job offer. Once an offer and a salary is out there, all it does is muddy your decision-making. And I don't feel like I need to harp on the fact that job satisfaction is more important than salary. As long as your job is currently filling your monetary obligations, it might be better to wait for a better opportunity to come up. But if you are excited about this opportunity and they're interested in continuing to have a conversation with you, the next stage is to evaluate the job offer and weigh it against your current job. Nice work. You crushed the interview process and they chose you as their top candidate. You have an offer in hand. Now it's time to start comparing the facets of this offer to your current position. Let's start with the elephant in the room. How much are they going to pay you? Usually this process starts prior to the formal job offer. Any smart recruiter or manager will try to get a better understanding of what your pay scale is to make sure their offer is competitive. If you're asked to share this information, have an understanding of what you want to get paid. How much are you worth based on your knowledge and your experience? You can obviously use your current role as a guidepost, but this is also an opportunity for you to take a significant jump in pay, especially if this would be a promotion. Determining and sharing your salary is a bit of an art. I don't want to spend too much time here because I think this is an episode in itself, but I do want to share with you some advice on how to calculate total compensation. Salary isn't the only financial factor that you should be considering. Other monetary aspects of the offer might include bonus, 401k match, health insurance, tuition reimbursement, travel and expenses, even how you're going to be classified as an employee because being W-2 versus 1099 is a significant change in how much taxes you're going to pay. Translate each one of those monetary aspects into a dollar sign and then also consider any new costs that are going to be incurred with this job transition. That might be childcare, commute, parking, or relocation. Add up all the monetary aspects and subtract the new cost and now you have a total compensation number. I would do this for your current role and for the job offer, so you have an easy comparison. As I was just talking, though, we all know that money is only one aspect of career satisfaction. No job will be perfect, so you have to determine what matters to you in your personal and professional life. We already discussed the job, team, and organizational fit, so I feel like we can move on from those. But I do want to stress two other key areas. The first is your own professional development. If this is important to you, you might be asking yourself questions like, Are you going to be challenged in this new role? Is there variety? How will they support your professional development? Do they offer tuition reimbursement, send you to conferences? Do they have a culture around learning and training and mentoring? And then finally, is there a clear line and training for promotion? These are all important aspects to understand before you step into a new role. So professional development is future thinking. The other major key area is your current quality of life. And how is this role going to affect that? Important factors here might be time off, flexible working hours, their stance on remote work, and the general sense of the organization around work-life balance. Use that same strategy we talked about in qualifying a job offer to compare total compensation, your professional development, and the quality of life that this new opportunity is going to provide you against what your current job offer does. I'll share this a similar disclaimer here as well. If you feel like you don't have an, enough information to understand those three facets, go back and ask for a quick call with your manager. You can ask about some of these additional factors that might influence the offer overall without really slowing down the timeline of your final decision. We've made it to decision-making time. In reality, there's really only two decisions that you can make, accept the offer or reject the offer. But let's talk about one thing that you can do before having to make that final decision, negotiation. Like sharing your salary expectations, I don't want to spend a ton of time on negotiation because there is so much that I could share here. Luckily, we've discussed negotiation skills on The Struggle is Real before. If you want more information on this, I'd suggest checking out episode 7 with Alexander Dickinson or reading the chapter on negotiation in the Career Toolkit by Mark Hirschberg, who appeared on episode 35. Both of these are phenomenal resources to equip you with some more negotiation skills. I will share two thoughts, though. First, if you've received an offer, an employer has already psychologically committed to you. I tell you this because the biggest negotiation mistake is having fear around negotiating in general. If there is an obstacle preventing you from accepting an offer, have the courage to make an ask. At its best, negotiation should be a joint problem solving. You and the hiring manager typically have complementary goals. They're looking for talent and you're looking to offer your talent. Now you both want to agree on a fair price for that trade. I've typically found that employers are willing to make concessions in key areas in order to complete a deal. Which brings me to my second piece of advice. Be selective about what you push back on. I've been given the opportunity to coach many of my friends in negotiation. I've noticed many of them have lack of clarity on the true obstacle that's preventing them from accepting an offer. All of a sudden they're wanting to negotiate salary, their title, PTO, Days they work remote, the list starts to build fast. My suggestion pick one or two points that's preventing you from accepting an offer and communicate that with the hiring manager as your key hurdles. It's good to know some other areas that would provide value to you that you might want to negotiate later, but I typically find that focusing on one, maybe two, will lead you to getting what you want. If there are other factors that you'd eventually like to change, but they aren't major roadblocks, my suggestion. Accept the role, become a top performer, and then negotiate those terms. You'll be coming from a much stronger position of power if you do this. Once you've negotiated your final job offer, you now truly have one of two decisions to make, accept or reject. Let's start with rejecting an offer. What is the best way to decline an offer if it's not the right job for you? It's unfortunate. A hiring manager and recruiter put all of this time courting you. You might start to feel guilty for not accepting an offer, but ultimately, you need to do what's best for you. In the long run, it's better for both sides. They're going to waste additional energy, time, and money training you, and they're also going to close down their job search. So the ramp up is going to take some time as well. It might hurt in the moment, but knowing that a job offer isn't competitive enough against your current role, it's best to just decline. To share some best practices around rejecting an offer, first and foremost, keep them informed and have a reasonable timeline. Asking for an additional week to make a decision is fine. Asking for an additional two or three weeks, knowing that you're eventually going to reject the job offer is only delaying their job search overall. Set a reasonable timeline for yourself to make that decision and keep them informed on any changes or additional information that you might need. Of course, the worst of the worst are the ones that just ghost employers because they don't want to have this conversation. Don't ghost a potential employer. They understand this is business and you need to do what's right for you. Always leave the door open. You never know whenever you're dealing with a future employer, customer, or colleague. Finally, accepting a job offer. Congrats, you found an offer that is just too good to refuse. The pros outweigh the cons. The new role will provide you with progression in areas that matter to you. If this is the case for you, accepting the job is the right way to go. Accept with enthusiasm. Whenever accepting an offer, I typically like to call. This gives you a great moment to share with your future manager. Your tone, your energy helps them solidify that that this was the right decision. If you did make any changes to the initial offer, get all of those changes in writing. Anything that was negotiated, make sure it's in that final offer or is in an email from the hiring manager or recruiter attached to that job offer as well. Maybe your manager moves on after three weeks of you starting and they were the only person that knew this was the deal now you find yourself renegotiating or fighting for a benefit that was already agreed upon. I also like to have a really clear understanding on what's next. Is there paperwork that needs to be completed? When will your first day be? And what's the best way to ask follow-up questions? I like to make sure that I have a great understanding on this whenever I'm accepting a job offer. If we're accepting this new role, that clearly means that we need to discuss leaving your current position as well. A lot of the same principles in the rejection section apply here too. Be polite, thank them for the opportunity, give them a reasonable timeline for offboarding. Being respectful to your current employer is a must. You can set boundaries, but also ask, how can you make this transition as smooth as possible? Remember, you may be working for that employer or manager again sometime. I hope this episode was helpful. Just to recap, we discussed three major stages. The first one being qualifying. And qualifying means understanding the job, team, and organizational fit and then potentially using a T-chart or a similar method to visualize the pros and cons against each other. But ultimately, this comes down to your post-interview gut impression. The second stage is evaluating. First, calculate a total compensation number by adding up your salary and the other monetary factors and subtracting additional costs that you might incur. Do this with your current job as well. Second, take note on how this new job will impact your professional development and quality of life. Compare that against your current situation. And then finally, stage three is making a decision. First, you might need to negotiate a key hurdle of the offer itself. But after you have that final offer in hand, set a reasonable timeline to reject or accept the offer in a professional manner. I really appreciate you tuning into this episode. If you'd like to hear more solo episodes on focused content like this, send me a message on Instagram. I'm at Justin Lee Peters. And of course, reviews always help. You can check out justinpeters.co forward slash support to find instructions on how you can support me by leaving a review. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like this conversation today, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified about new episodes. If you want to connect with me, send me a message on Instagram. I'm at Justin Lee Peters. You can find show notes with links to everything we discussed today at justinpeters.co. This episode was produced by Gabby I'm your host, Justin Peters. Thanks for tuning in.